I love the talking guy show. I hear two guys talking. 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 Two guys talking are here. I hear two guys talking. Have you ever had the feeling of being watched? Hidden eyes following you? A cold chill crawling up your spine? The hairs on the back of your neck standing straight up? Do you know what that is? It's fear. It's fear. Fear is the most basic human emotion tied into our instinct to survive. Fear gives us the means to overcome great odds or cripple us with paralyzing dread. Dread. But fear can also entertain. Turn off all the lights, lock your closet door, and ignore the sounds from beneath your bed. It's time for Two Guys Talking Horror. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Two Guys Talking Horror. This time, talk, talk about, about terrifying. terrifying. Uh, across the table from me today is Jason Contini, my hetero life mate. Say hello to the people, Jason. Hello to the people. Why do you have to be so literal? Well, because if it bothers you, it gives me enjoyment. Ah, I see. Well, then, is that why we've been friends for so long? Because <laughs> you've bothered me for so long. Today we're going to try something a little bit different. Uh, Instead of being very topic-oriented like we usually are here at Two Guys Talking Horror, we're going to be multi-topical. Yes, I'm I'm bringing out the word bank. The dictionary is open, and I'm trying something a little bit different today. Today we're going to talk about a multitude of topics, ranging from fan films of horror to how we actually like our bacon. Do you like it crispy? Do you like it loose? Do you like it in your mouth or do you like it on your plate? Also, horror is all over television. We're going to be talking a lot about that. The it really good, is making a comeback, it is. isn't it? It, is, it? it seems like everywhere I turn, every station now has something horror-related, which I love. I absolutely love. Problem is I'm worried about that oversaturation point. We're also... Going to be doing a mini movie review later. That's right. It's going to be a cut the crap movie review. Cut the crap movie review is where I'm just going to tell you this is what I think. This is how I feel. And you should either go see the movie or or, or not. Also, very special. I'm extremely excited about this. The Wheel is here. We've got the Wheel of Horror. No, not the Wheel of Fortune. Not the Wheel of Misfortune, the Wheel of Horror. I don't know what it is about that, but every time that you say the Wheel of Horror, you know what that evokes in my head? An image of John Candy in Little Shop of Horrors as he's on the radio and he's going, (laughs) The Weird! Um, So I I keep thinking of The Wheel of Horror. Okay. Sorry. Was that a fat joke? (laughs) What? Or a John Candy joke? (laughs) Who knows? Who cares? All of that and more coming up on this episode of Two Guys Talking Horror on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. <laughs> fan films. Now, Jason, you and I have uh, actually been in a fan film. Not a, not a horror fan film, unfortunately. No, in fact, we just, uh, but we did just complete shooting on our first fan actually yes. for both of us for both of us yeah, um, yeah neither one of us had done one until now it's uh, again it's it's not horror related but still fan film it is rather dark it though. is it is dark and one could watch it at night you you could once but, uh, you've returned home <laughs> <laughs> oh wow the great thing about the internet especially nowadays is it seems like you could find just about anything and horror fan films are no exception. Uh, just recently, I came across a Nightmare on Elm Street-themed fan film called Don't Fall Asleep, which is basically supposed to be the story of Nancy in between Nightmare 1 and Nightmare oh. 3, Dream Warriors. Oh. 
Uh, which uh, which of the films do you like best, Jason? One, the original, or three, Dream Warriors? We're just we're just going between. We're just one talking and about three. one and three. Boy, uh, like or what do I think is better? Because that those are two different things. <laughs> uh, and 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 I'll and I'll tell me what you like I'll and answer, tell me what's better. Yeah, I'll t- I'll answer it that way. The first one is better. The first one I. I still think is the best of the series in okay. my opinion and always probably will be but i enjoy the third one mm. more it is the third one's probably my favorite in the series and and i may catch flag for this but i that and freddy versus jason i know a lot of people kind of complain about that one but the third one of the two that you mentioned that that's absolutely my favorite i am in complete and utter agreement with you i find that the original film west craven's original film is still still to this day stands up as not only a fine example of horror cinema but just a solid film in and of itself but part three is so much fun yeah it's it's the film where freddie actually starts talking a little bit more he he started getting that wisecracking personality that made him less scary to a a young 10 11 year old and and made him more of a oh wow he's he's the cool killer all right but you know it it, it didn't go so far as like say five <laughs> no yeah you know it it, it there is they a started limit. to play with the humor but it didn't go as quite as far as five did so it, it still kept yeah. the horror he wasn't a one liner he wasn't just a, a a man or a creature a monster who generated one liners part three was that great balance they they started playing with it and it worked he had some great lines in that and I too also love. Freddy versus Jason, to each of their own. But that's a great freaking film because it was fun. And to be honest, you know, when you're talking about Freddy movies, I would put Freddy versus Jason right there next to one and three as, mm. as the best of the series. But anyway, we're starting to... To, to drift just yes. a little bit. Don't fall asleep. One of the things that attracted me to this fan film was the fact that even though totally complete unknown actors are in this, they were actually able to get... Heather Langenkamp to narrate oh. as Nancy. That right there, I mean, that's a huge coup for, for any original fan, especially nowadays where you have... It, it, it saddens me that there's a whole generation that only knows the Jackie Earl Haley remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, I, I, there's, a, there's a lot to learn story-wise and filmmaking-wise from the original franchise. And to be able to get Nancy herself to narrate. And I watched the fan film. I watched it. It's only about 42 minutes long. I don't really want to get into the whole filmmaking aspect of what the fan film is. But I wanted to talk about it. Simply because I know, like you, we're big fans of the original. So let me read, the, let me read you the synopsis for the film. When her nightmares become a reality, nothing would be the same again for Nancy Thompson. With her mother and friends dead, and her relationship with her father slowly slipping away, Nancy is alone. As she struggles to regain faith in herself, Nancy must rise to become what the other kids on Elm Street desperately need. A dream warrior. You give me a, a synopsis like that, and I'm like, oh, yeah, all right. Uh, again, I don't want to get into the filmmaking aspect of it. Uh, a little rough. A little rough. I mean... If need be, I, I could nitpick at this this fan film, but I don't want to. You want to know why? Because it gave me something that I wanted to see. I wanted to know what, what happened to Nancy in between part one and part three. And it gave me an answer. It wasn't the answer I wanted, but it gave me the answer. And that's the great thing about fan films. Fan films give you the ability to fill in the gaps. Because, let's face it, a lot of times, Hollywood's not listening to the fans. Oh, more often than not, they're not listening. They actually do the exact opposite of what the fans want. And when you get into fan films, you'll have somebody that is so passionate about the character or the universe, they'll go out of their way to make sure that most everything is correct. I seem to recall a few years ago, wasn't there one that that got some... uh got some some attention or recognition on Friday the 13th. I, I didn't see it, but I, I feel like that's a memory that I have or a dream that I <laughs> <laughs> have not awakened from. But wasn't there a nightmare? Or I'm, I'm sorry, a Friday, uh, Friday the 13th one? 
There's been there's been several. There's been uh, a handful of fairly popular Jason oriented fan films, Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, even some Army of Darkness, Ash. Actually, a very very popular one was a fan film of Ash versus the Marvel Zombies, and then years later they continued their production and it turned into Ash versus the DC Universe Zombies team up slash fight against Lobo. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I, see, I didn't that, hear about a, any of those. That's a but, huge uh, mouthful. That'd be interesting to watch. It, it, was, be... it was quite enjoyable. It was very fun. And that's the thing. That's the thing. We we don't have the time to go through YouTube and, and find things, so, so it's a great opportunity to call the audience. Audience, let us know. Do you have a specific horror-related fan film that's out there that we haven't talked about here that you think we should see. Let us know by going over to our website at twoguystalking.com. Fill out the little web form on the right and let us know, is there a horror fan film we need to see? Bacon, bacon everywhere. Jason, you like bacon? I love bacon, baby. I love bacon, baby, too. <laughs> We're not talking about the breakfast food, which bacon is the candy bar of the meat world. We are actually talking about Mr. Kevin Bacon. And if you are a horror fan, I'm sure at some point in time you heard this this weird rumor going around that Kevin Bacon may play Freddy Krueger in another reboot of A Nightmare on Elm Street. The interesting thing is you have to go to Twitter to find the facts. And I did, me, being an avid tweeter, I went to Twitter and I did some research. And it would appear that a Twitter personality, young girl by the name of uh, Betty Toxic, tweeted, and it was a simple tweet, just a simple tweet. If A Nightmare on Elm Street gets rebooted again, can we please somehow get Kevin Bacon as Freddy. I think he'd be fantastic. Now, did did she get a response? That's the uh, great thing about Mr. it. Mr. Kevin Bacon. The Bacon evidently pays attention because the Bacon responded in another tweet, and I quote, I like the way you think, Betty. Very simple. Doesn't say, yes, I'll do it, or, oh, I'll make that project happen now. It's just... I like the way you think, Betty. Now, here's the even more interesting fact about it, and this is what I love about the internet. You drop even, if it's true, if it's not true, it doesn't matter. You drop, it's like a pebble, and you drop it in the river, and the ripples go out. And eventually, a few days later, on a Chicago news station, WGN, Mr. Bacon and his brother were actually uh, having a nice little interview about their music group, the, the Bacon Brothers. While promoting, evidently, a show they were going to be doing there in Chicago, one of the reporters asked about the rumor on Twitter about him playing Freddy Krueger. And he says, well, the Internet's a wild thing. I don't know if it'll ever happen. I'm not opposed to it happening, but who knows? So this may actually be the opposite of what we were talking about earlier, about how Hollywood doesn't listen to fans. Maybe this time, Hollywood should Listen to fans because, personally speaking, I think Kevin Bacon would make an excellent Freddy Krueger. What do you think? Well, I don't. I don't think he would be a bad Freddy Krueger by any means. I think he'd be great. You know, but I don't think it. It's as easy as that. When they first announced remaking Nightmare on Elm Street, what was that? Four or five years ago, something to that effect. That you know, and they announced that Jackie Earl Haley would be playing Freddy Krueger, and I thought, well, if you're gonna do it. That's the guy to get, because that's a brilliant casting choice. Now, now do they, you say that because of his performance as Rorschach in The Watchmen, or is there something about Jackie Earl Haley that you know that I don't know? Oh no, I I just I can just see that that undercurrent of <laughs> of demented horror hmm. laying okay. in almost everything he does, even when he's you know. On the on the side of right in a film, he, you know, there's still that kind of creepiness to him. 
he just has that that kind of delivery. But he also has a great look, which of course they accentuated for Watchmen, and you can easily picture that all burnt. So I, I thought, well, he he's ideal. He'd be, he'll be great for it. Plus, he's not a very tall guy, and I've always kind of thought that Freddy should be one of the the shorter one one of the shorter monsters because it right. you know it's a little more terrifying that way to me anyway. So, you know, I thought, well, sure, they've got the the right materials and they got all the right pieces in the right places and yet the movie still fell flat. Now, I didn't hate the movie anywhere near as much as you did. I <laughs> finished watching it uh, the remake and just kind of thought, well, so that happened. I didn't hate it, I didn't love it. But obviously Jackie Earl Haley was not the problem with the film. The film had many other problems. The directing was the problem. The writing was the problem. The basic overall idea and concept behind this relaunch was the problem. So, yeah, sure, great, fine. Cast Kevin Bacon. I think Kevin Bacon, like Jackie Earl Haley, could make a great Freddy Krueger. It doesn't mean anything if they hire some hack who's never written a screenplay before to crap out a a 90-page treatment and then shoot that. I mean, you know... It all starts with the script. That is very true, very true. You know, I don't care who you've got. You know, George George Clooney once said that it's very easy to make a bad movie out of a good script, mm. but it is impossible to make a good movie out of a bad script. Right. I don't care who the actors are that you've got in a remake of Freddy or of Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, if the script's not there, who cares? True, true. Now, for me, where that remake was concerned, I, I, I do agree Jackie Earl Haley was not the problem uh, again it was the execution of the film that being said beforehand before watchmen the only two things i knew jackie earl haley from was uh, bad news bears <laughs> okay and, and doll man he played a oh, bad wow. guy in sure. in full moon's doll man yeah yeah that was it i i'd not seen him do anything else so i'm like what then he becomes Rorschach, and I'm like, oh, well, he was great as Rorschach, but does that mean you should be Freddy Krueger? And I, I, of course, I said, no, mm. Robert England should be Freddy Krueger. Well, yeah, yeah. But nobody was listening to me. Now, where Kevin Bacon is concerned, I was, we've seen Kevin Bacon play the bad guy before. Oh, in, plenty in, of times. Plenty of times, yes. And he's no stranger to horror. No, Absolutely no stranger. I, he got his start. His career started. Friday the 13th, the original Friday the 13th. But it isn't just that. I mean, he's done plenty of other horror films, like uh, what Hollow Man, Hollow which Man? I guess you could technically consider a horror film. That Well, I mean, it is almost a modern retake of The Invisible Man. Right. Yeah. Um, Flatliners. Flatliner, one of my favorites. Yep. Don't forget Stir of Echoes. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, that's a, a great a, a one. Film, a film for me, I can watch. I enjoy watching that one over and over again, more so than The Sixth Sense. I don't know what it is. They came out around the same time. I, I guess I just prefer my bacon to my, my Willis. <laughs> I good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. <laughs> the Bacon is no stranger to horror. And one of my favorites that I absolutely love and can watch at any moment, drop, drop of a hat, I could watch that movie, Tremors. Not, oh, my God. Tremors. And not saying that that's one of his roles as a bad guy. I'm just saying he's no stranger to horror, and he needs to come back to it. He needs to come back to horror. And if it's not with Freddy Krueger, then maybe, just maybe, it's... In television. Hmm. <laughs> Horror movies adapted for television. It's been happening. It's going to continue to happen. A handful that I know that are going on right now. We've got Bates Motel. A prequel slash retelling of young Norman Bates and the events of what happened before the original Psycho. Now, there's just... Too much television for anyone to keep up with everything. So I have not seen Bates Motel. Have you seen it? Have you I have not seen Bates Motel either. No, I have not. You've got the Bates Motel. Uh, Hannibal was evidently a, a fairly popular show until it was canceled. Yeah, yeah, I didn't understand that. I thought the ratings were supposed to be pretty good. But well, I guess yet not. another show that was a prequel all about how Hannibal Lecter was helping the FBI before the events of the original book Red Dragon. And there's two different films for based off of that book. There's the original one that was called Manhunter that came out first, where you had Brian Cox actually playing the role of Hannibal Lecter. But then, of course, you know, Silence of the Lamb gets made, and Anthony Hopkins, 
he just puts on this great show. And, of course, they well, remade he, Manhunter and called it Red Dragon. You win five Oscars for a horror film, you're going to You're, you're going to, well, that. yeah, of course. Bottom line, it's not going to stop. It's actually going to escalate. The reason why I'm kind of sort of excited about this is because the fact that we may be getting more of la bacon on our platter, on our breakfast platter. Because as uh, as of right now, Trimmers, the TV series, not Trimmers, the TV series that was on the <laughs> Sci-Fi channel about a decade ago, that, no, not that one, a brand new show evidently being developed through Amazon. Now, I've watched a handful of shows on it. I've got that Amazon Prime. You got that Amazon Prime yet? We do not. Okay. I've got the Amazon Prime. I absolutely love it. Uh, basically, I live my life through Amazon Prime, Hulu, and Netflix. Those are the three streaming options that I have. I don't even bother with cable television. I pulled the cord a long time ago, and I'm not ashamed to say, never going back. Ever. Never going back. And that's great because now I'm going to be able to see Tremors, the TV series, executive produced by Kevin Bacon and starring the bacon you know one of my wife's favorite movies uh, of all time is tremors and her uh, her brother who's who's quite a bit younger than her was over the house oh i'd say a couple weeks back uh he had never seen the movie so she said really? yeah he had never seen it and there's there's a number of classic films like that well he's 20 20 21 so there's a number oh, of wow. things okay. that you know, well, he yeah. hasn't yeah, he's quite a bit. I think he's 10, 10, 11 years, something, something like that. Anyway, so yeah, there's quite a few things that he hasn't seen. So she sat him down and she showed him Tremors because it's one of her, probably one of her 10 favorite movies of all time. I um, did not know that about Taylor. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've learned something new. I, yeah. feel, I feel like I've learned something. Huge, huge Tremors fan, but it's the only one she's ever seen. She's um, never seen any of the other films never, in the series. Never. So, uh, okay. you know, so the other night we were in the middle of, of working and doing stuff around the house. And, and we took a break. And like we usually do, we take, you know, 45-minute hour break. You sit down and eat. Make yeah. dinner and, and, and eat. And the way our place is set up, it is typically easier for us to actually sit on the sofa and eat while we're watching TV. As right. opposed to at the table. Just because in an apartment the size of Spatial ours, the, wise, yeah, it's yeah, too it's small. Just, yeah. So we sat down and we were talking about what to put on. And she was like, you know what? We just watched Tremors. Why don't we put on Tremors 2? I've never seen it. Uh, okay, great. So we put on the sequel and we were watching it. And uh, I've, of course, seen the sequel a number of times. Right. Uh, so as I'm eating and watching, I was also on my phone looking things up about the Tremors television series. Mm -hmm. And I discovered, and I'm sure you probably know this already too, Fred Ward is rumored to be cast in the Tremors television series. Okay, I had not heard this that. This is not confirmed, but according to IMDb, he is listed as being rumored for returning as Earl Bassett. Okay, well, if that's going to happen, then we have to get Michael Gross back because you can't have a Tremors TV series revival with Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward if you don't have Michael Gross playing Burt Gummer. I, I, you got to have Burt. I agree. Now, this was only a few days ago that I looked, and as of that time, there were only two names listed on the cast on IMDb, Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward, who it specifically says for him, rumored. rumored. Okay. So that's, that's right. nothing confirmed there. But um, but boy, wouldn't that be great if I'm Earl and Val were back Very again. excited about that, and we will definitely keep you up to date here on Two Guys Talking Horror. Make sure you check back on our website. Uh, we will have updates. If uh, something does spring, we will let you know. If we're getting Fred Ward back as Earl Bassett, we will definitely let you know. Now, there's a, there's a lot of other television that, quote-unquote, in development. And I just want to run down a little list uh, because this is a list of the, the stuff that I'm not happy with. The Devil's Advocate. The Devil's Advocate has been in development hell for the last uh, two or three years. Also did not know about that. Great film. I don't see how you drag that out into a television series. Yeah, I don't get that either. I, I mean, after season one, when you realize that the devil's your dad and you you, you fight him and you turn your back on him, where do you go after that? Right. Eh, I, I'm not I'm not very interested in that. Now, unfortunately, here is one that is 
in development, and it looks like it's actually gaining some tread. The Mist. That perplexes me because, again, like Devil's Advocate, how? And I guess I guess I could see how it could continue. Just never having read the story, the original Stephen King story, mm. only having seen the movie, I guess if if the mist never cleared and they were still out there driving around through the mist, I guess you could keep that going. But eventually that just becomes monster freak of the week. Right. I, I don't. Yeah, I, overall, I don't see how that continues on for a Well, series. as of right now, Spike TV is currently working on a 10-episode season. Now, whether if that'll continue to as a season two, season three, or maybe just be an extended and, story. And if they're going to do that, if it's just the one season and that's all, I can get behind that. I, that's, to me, just an extended miniseries or maxi yeah, series. exactly. I can, um, I can very much get behind the idea of, hey... Instead of cutting so much great material from the book or wherever, whatever you're taking it from, instead of cutting all that stuff out just to make a, an hour and 45-minute movie, hey, let's take the time, let's expand it, let's take all the information from the book. Now you can tell a story, you can tell a whole, the full story with enough character development for all your characters, and if that's it, if you do not come back, as long as you're telling a cohesive story, boom, I'm happy. I would I would sit down for that, but I don't know what you can do with the mist that wasn't done in the film. I, yeah, I, I don't know where else you would go. Just, oh, so who knows? Uh, uh, apparently, the the show is supposed to premiere in 2017 at some point in time. So uh, once that happens, uh, we'll let all the the fans know. Uh, another one I'm not happy about: The Lost Boys. Not happy about it, huh? I, I can't say that I'm happy about it, but I am not unhappy about it. I am tentatively reserved for more info. <laughs> okay, you know what? You know what? I because actually like that. Because the concept that I heard is not a terrible concept, but that could that could be handled really poorly, and it could be really terrible. Yeah. Well. So, oh, I, yeah. Extremely terrible. Yeah, but but it's it's an interesting concept for for a show. Share share the concept. Well, let, let the, everybody know the concepts uh, for for those of you who are not in the know. Evidently. At the CW, because, you know, Vampire Diaries evidently going bye-bye. So you need some vampire stuff on the CW. And the CW is is all about vampires. So their idea... Always has been. Always has been. So their idea, oh, let's do The Lost Boys. Hey, even better, let's do seven seasons. We're going to make this show... We're going to save right off the bat. This is a seven-season show. Well, that's pretty ballsy right there. You yep. don't even have a show, and you're saying you're going to do seven seasons. Yep. And then, okay, well, here's here's the premise. For each season, it's a different decade. Okay. We're going to start in the 60s. Summer of Love. San Francisco, baby. Summer of Love. So, so season one is in the 60s. So when you think about it, by the time you get to your seventh season, seven years will have passed, and we'll already be in the 2020s, which I can't believe I'm actually saying <laughs> that date out loud. It's, it, it, stu it still feels very... Science fiction in my mouth. Sure. But we will be in the 2020s by the yeah. time we get there. And it would make sense that the show, the last season of the show, would take place in mod our modern day, which is the near future. <laughs> so it sounds interesting. I think it's a great concept. I think it's a great concept that could easily slide into <laughs> uh, glossed trite. You know, especially uh, there's two five dollar words shoved together. <laughs> I, you know, I'm sorry. I, I well, I, I'm not a big vampire fan to begin with. Yes, we know. This. Um, so you know, Vampire Diaries. I just didn't. I have no desire. I have no desire to watch the, it. I'm I not cracking open it. the diaries. If I'm going to sit down and watch any TV show about vampires, it probably would be True Blood. But even then, I, I don't care. But but at least that that at least has a texture to the way it's shot right. and a look. Everything, even going all the way back to Buffy, uh, every vampire, anything that they've tried to do on the CW, it just it all has that gloss yeah. to it. And so yeah, I think I'm tentative because the idea and the concept is really interesting and fascinating and different and fresh. But boy, that can be bad <laughs> if it's if it's handled. It wrong. can be, and my concern is if you remember the vampires from the movie, they were bad guys. Yeah, 
It doesn't matter if they were teenagers when they were turned. They were still bad guys. They were predators. They needed to feed. My concern is that over seven seasons, you are going to humanize these monsters by focusing too much on their humanity when they shouldn't have any humanity at all. Yeah, I agree. I am really fed up with the whole vampires are tortured, you know, tragic heroes with these tragic flaws and all. No, they're monsters. Can we get back to them being I want the, monsters? I want to get back to monsters, yes. You know, you want to do a vampire show? Great. Do a show about a Van Helsing. Hell, set it at the turn of the century. There's a show for you. You get that gothic landscape, set it in England, turn of the century, do a show about vampires, and your main character is Van Helsing. That, that's way more interesting to me than a bunch of whiny, oh my god, I can't go out during the daylight. Love me. Like that. Sparkle, uh, sparkle. Uh, I can't stand that yeah. crap. Well, who knows? Maybe, maybe somebody in some sort of uh, seat of authority will hear this podcast and like your idea and... Maybe in a few years we'll see Van Helsing the series. Hey, if that if that happens, I I am available for television series. You, you kind of look you kind of look like a young Van Helsing. Sure, I, I'll, I'll go, I with would that. go with I, that. I can I can I'll sign the contract. Now here's a show that's getting ready to start. It it is going to air shortly. The Exorcist. And I just want to let that out there, right? That just, just the Exorcist. I think the thing that needs to be let out there to to just sit is uh, not just The Exorcist on television, The Exorcist on network television. Network television on Fox, not FX, not FXX, on Fox. Yeah. I have to say, there are a couple of moments in the trailers that I've seen that are that are kind of creepy, and half of the shots that I see in the trailers look like they are in the style of the original film. Mm. The lighting is very reminiscent. The camera work is very reminiscent. The other half looks like television show, which, uh, of course, it's going to. Because it's a television show. Because it's yeah. a television show. But it doesn't look like it's really anything like The Exorcist whatsoever. Yeah. Again, it looks like they're cashing in on a name. Now, it's a cash-in that I, I don't know that I'll watch it, but I'm certainly going to watch the first one. Yes, I will definitely give the first episode a watch because, as I've said several times on this podcast... The Exorcist, by far, is the scariest damn movie I have ever seen, and the scariest damn book I have ever read. And those two are reserved for once a year. Every October, I will watch The Exorcist, and I will read The Exorcist. I don't know how well it's going to transfer to uh, to television. All I know is that I'm glad to see Gina Davis working again. Yeah, always fun to see her. Especially always great in, to see Gina Davis in a, a horror-esque project yes yes because uh one of one of her earlier roles and i only it's only in the horror genre simply because it pokes fun of the horror genre but i remember the first time i ever saw gina davis was in a film called transylvania 6 5000 mm -hmm. and she was this sexy vampire lady and i remember because you know it's the mid 80s here i am i'm a i'm i'm a prepubescent boy and there's a <laughs> lot of cleavage right there and i think that started what's my, changed n n absolutely nothing and <laughs> uh, that started my love affair of gina davis she's not showing any cleavage in exorcist so you know there's there's that sadly but uh, again i will i will give it a try but i my expectations are not high no at all. no mine aren't either but yes like you i i will certainly watch the first episode Speaking of expectations, I will tell you one thing about high expectations. I have high expectations for this last TV show that is based off of a movie series. My uh, expectations were pretty high, too. You and I just got finished watching the first season. Thank you, DVD Blu-rays. Season two, about to start up again. Ash versus the Evil Dead on Stars. So, did it meet your expectations? Because we really haven't, up until this moment, sitting here recording this episode, you and I really have not had a chance to talk we about it. We haven't had a chance to talk about it. We've mentioned it. We've kind of sort of said things, but we've never really talked about it. And again, I don't want to spend too much time talking about it because that's a podcast of another color. But I will tell you this. It exceeded my expectations. I was hoping for just gore and some fart jokes, and I got gold. I was given something I didn't know I needed. It was like it was like 
I don't have a child, but it's the it's I can imagine it's that feeling that a a father or a mother would get holding their newborn child. It's like I didn't really realize that I wanted you in my life, but I realized that I need you in my life. I need Bruce Campbell playing this character. I need Sam Raimi producing and directing and and creating further creating his universe. This was everything I could have hoped for as a sequel, as a continuation of those original movies. And I have a feeling that season two is just going to be even more. It's uh, uh, twins. I'm going to get twins now. It's going to be <laughs> two little children with with dead eyes and chainsaw hands. And they're going to look up to me. I'm going, oh, I didn't know that I need you, but I want you so bad. I, You know, I'm pretty much in agreement with you that it exceeded expectations i I loved every minute i do have two major complaints Ooh, you're gonna complain all right i'm gonna complain okay as long as they're quick i'll let you complain my two major complaints about the show number one every episode is only 30 minutes okay yes i can understand that complaint that is very i need an hour yep too short that's my number one complaint okay number two complaint season one only had 10 episodes Needs to be longer. Needs to be longer. Yeah, Give me more. The episodes need to be longer, and there need to be more of them. I, I'm in total agreement. I, I agree. Sadly, I think for the quality that we're given, that's what we're going to have to deal with. It's it's going to be that trade-off. So we just bombarded you with a whole list of TV shows that you may or may not be wanting to watch, watching, or eagerly anticipating watching. So while you're contemplating how you're going to manage your TV schedule, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with Talk Talk About About Terrifying. Here on Two Guys Talking Horror. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. The Feedback Gauntlet. What podcast will offer you a hundred bucks cash to tell people what you think? There isn't another one out there. And it's time for you to tell us what you think right now. Check out twoguystalking.com forward slash gauntlet to jump into the Two Guys Talking Feedback Gauntlet. We're looking for feedback about any program we have on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Follow the short instructions at twoguystalking.com forward slash gauntlet and you're entered instantly for a hundred bucks cash. What's this? Cash? For telling people what you think? Yes, cash. For telling people what you think. Twoguystalking.com forward slash gauntlet. Don't miss the review of HBO's True Blood during the Fang Banger podcast from Two Guys Talking. Great entertainment with real bite. Check it all out at fangbangerpodcast.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Unlike TV or radio ads, where every instance the ads are broadcast, they're only played once and lost forever. Perpetual advertising could have repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, and even years after they're inserted in a podcast. So even if a podcast is a few years old, your ads will still be impactful to repeat listeners as well as new listeners. This gives your advertising dollar the most bang for the buck. Find out more about perpetual advertising at twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Welcome back, everybody, to Talk About Terrifying on Two Guys Talking Horror. 
What we're going to do now, folks, is we're going to try something a little bit new. I have noticed one thing we have not really talked about in the handful of podcasts that we've uh, we've put out so far, Jason, is it, we really haven't really talked about hard-hitting movie reviews. Hmm. I don't look at myself as a critic. I look at myself as a, an appreciator. I, I love film, even bad film. But I don't like being treated stupid. And one of the problems that I have with critics today, and I'm not saying that we need to live in a world without movie critics and things like that, far from it. I just think certain critics like to hear the sound of their own voice or the the, the, the reading of their own words. Some, some critics are just a little bit too full of themselves. Me, I like to keep it nice and neat. There's three things that I always look at when I'm when I'm telling somebody about a movie. The acting, the story, and the execution of it all. You know, the, the the filmmaking aspect. You know, was it shot well? Was it lit well? Could you hear the actors? Things like that. So I have decided here on Talk, Talk About, about Terrifying. Terrifying. We're going to start doing Cut the Crap Movie Reviews. the sound of chainsaw just cutting through all the crap now in this episode for our first cutting of the crap movie review i want to talk about a film called harbinger down this movie completely escaped my notice until uh it was uh placed up on netflix and the only reason why it even was a blip on my radar on netflix is because it has lance hendrickson starring in it genre fans should know who lance hendrickson is but let's just give them a little rundown a little movie called aliens Pumpkinhead. a little movie called alien three <laughs> the uh chris carter television show millennium the spin-off, the spin-off for the of connection the to the x-files yeah yes let us not forget he also was in the original terminator film oh that's right i forgot about that lance hendrickson and bill, bill paxton, paxton are the only two actors alive that have ever been killed by an alien, a predator, and a terminator. Oh, interesting. That's true. I guess that's yeah, yeah. wow. That's, They've got, that's so very, so wow, it's okay. a very selective group right there. Lance Henderson, he gets around. He he's always enjoyable. He's got that voice, that look. It doesn't matter how bad or how good the movie is. If he's in it, I'm going to at least give it a try. I actually met him. Did you? Once. Yeah, I met him. Uh, I was uh living in LA. This was gosh, maybe Six, seven years ago, something yeah. to that effect. Uh, I was living in L.A. and I was working at a Barnes and Noble in Burbank, and he, and, and there was this guy standing over by the Nook counter, looking at the Nooks, and uh, <laughs> I was never one to to jump at selling a Nook, so I, I tried to actively avoid that counter whenever I could. But I, just I'm sorry, couldn't. what 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 the hell is a Nook? Oh, it's a it's an e-reader. It's a tablet. It's the Barnes and Noble tablet. Oh, um, okay. Sorry, I still read books, you yes, know, made of yes, paper. Right. So yeah, so I you know I actively try to avoid selling those or, or even going anywhere near the the counter that we had the display models on. But right. I saw this guy and I thought, wow, that guy looks really familiar from behind. And I just happened to walk past, and sure enough, it was him. So I went up and I and I talked to him and. He was very, very nice. I didn't get a chance to really talk a lot because he he actually was looking to buy a nook and he had questions about about the nook. And so I did say, you know, hey, I'm a fan or something to that effect. I can't remember now. Good, he now sell him, me he this was, damn nook. He, he was no, he was he was very, very nice. He was very, uh, but much more interested in getting his nook than, well, than talking. Yeah. To him. But anyway, that's I can a side understand story. That. Yeah. Well, here's the, the the interesting thing that I found about Harbinger Down besides the connection with Lance Hendrickson, uh, I actually had to do some research on this because at first it was just a movie that I watched and I was going to give a review about it. But I looked, I, I did do a little bit of research because there was something about the film that caught me by surprise and it's one of the reasons why I am reviewing it. Harbinger Down, I'll give you a basic synopsis. Two grad students and their professor book passage on a crabbing ship called the Harbinger, to study beluga whales and their migrating habits in the Bering Sea. Why, why are you snickering at beluga? 
Just the the word. I'm just thinking of a Baluga. Dr. De- Baluga. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, it's a Dr. Demento song. I'm, yes. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm tangent. Continue. So they're studying the migration of whales because of the global warming and stuff like that. So, so hey, yeah, some, some go, stay green kind of a thing. Well, it turns out that in the ice, and because global warming is a thing, this old ice is starting to melt. And something that was frozen back in the 80s is starting to emerge. And it turns into this 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 monster movie. It's a monster movie on a ship in the snow and the ice. So right off the bat, I'm already feeling like I'm, I, I get the feel of John Carpenter's The Thing. And I'm getting a feeling of The Blob. The, the the remake of the blob because there's also some human science thrown into it as well. So I'm like, wow, this is this is an interesting flick. But then the monster or monsters, spoiler, the creatures, it's practical effects. Really? Yes. Practical effects. I'm watching this movie. I had to watch it twice. I watched this movie twice. To prove myself wrong that I was seeing something that I didn't see. No, that couldn't be practical effects. That was that was that it was CGI. Now, yes, there is CGI in this film, but it's mostly practical makeup effects and animatronics. That's wow, why in yeah, camera stuff. In camera stuff. And that's why I, I did some research. Ironically enough, something that you and I know a lot about, this movie actually started out as a Kickstarter funded movie. Holy cow. A Kickstarter-funded movie. The project promoted itself as a sci-fi horror film by Creature FX designer Alec Gillis, who has been attached to some of the biggest, not only sci-fi and horror films, but some fantasy films. Jumanji, anybody? Oh, wow. His whole goal was he wanted to be able to create a, a horror film that would celebrate animatronics and makeup effects. And well, uh, that just just off of just that little bit you sold me. I mean, I'm already on Wikipedia reading about the film. I mean, that <laughs> Lance Henriksen practical effects and it was oh, all yeah. done through crowdfunding. Man, hell yeah. Oh, here's the thing, story-wise. So, like like you said earlier, you know, bad script can't be made into a good movie. This was this I you could actually say this was probably just an average script. It was a good story, solid Nothing too confusing. You had just enough techno babble from some of the smarter characters to keep you informed. And the character development, you developed the characters that you needed to develop, and the rest of them were the two-dimensional caricatures that they needed to be. Because guess what? It's a horror movie, baby. Yep. There's a lot of red shirts that are going to die in this. Yep, got it fodder. And they die beautifully. Like I said, it was it was very reminiscent of watching John Carpenter's The Thing because there was a lot of practical effects in that because CGI didn't exist back then. So based on, based on the three criteria, you obviously give it a, a high so, score for story. Story, high score. Acting. You know what? Here's the thing. The majority of this movie is filled with people I've never seen before. There's uh, maybe one or two that looked familiar. I might have seen them in something else, but nothing screamed out. Lance Hendrickson was the man who was running the show, literally, because he's the captain of the Harbinger. But I never once had any problem with the way actors were casted. Everybody fit their role perfectly. The ones who were around for a long period of time developed the way that they needed to develop, both from the script and just watching the performance of the actor. So I give high praise where where acting is concerned. Execution. Holy crap. Do you know how long it's been since I've watched something modern day that had practical effects in it? Yeah, well, they don't do them anymore. Exactly. They even specifically pointed in the research that I did that the little CGI that was used in the film enhanced some of the horror splatter effects or was used to remove wires and dolly rods to make the practical effects move and see that's in my opinion the best use of cg yes that is that that's what you, that's what they should still be doing 
don't get me wrong. Give me, I love my Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. And well, again, Jurassic Park, a lot of that was practical effects. Practical too. A lot of that was too. animatronics in the camera right. that that was you know highlighted. Now, Jurassic World, maybe not so much. No. And and I do have to say that you know without CGI, we would not have probably gotten the world of Tolkien. This is on true. Film. This is true. Um, you know that's that's doable for sure with animatronics, but. Wow, the cost would be astronomical. Mm -hmm. So it, it certainly has its place, but yeah, in a horror film, there's no need. I, practical effects are the way to go, and unfortunately, nobody does it. So no. yeah, you've sold me on it. I definitely execution see it. for this movie, not counting the fact that it had practical effects. You feel the isolation. You feel like you're on a ship out in the middle of nowhere, stranded. The claustrophobia. The lighting, the fact that the monster is not seen in full-blown light every single time it pops out. Uh, another film that I would say that uh, kind of pays homage to, Alien. Hmm. It gives you that, that monster-in-the-house feel, only where Alien, it was a spaceship and it was an alien creature that was running around. On Harbinger Down, it's a boat, it's a, it's a giant crabbing ship, and it's this organism symbiote blobby oh eat you up creature that never looks the same way twice in the film oh that's interesting so execution wise boom also you you, you got three stars for me this is a this well, is a must watch film that's folks. what i was that's what i was gonna say what what are we doing uh you doing a thumbs up thumbs down you doing a five star rating you doing a five pumpkin rating <laughs> what, what, what is this like i said i've got um, three criteria so it's going to be a, a, a three <laughs> three crabbing ships up ladies and gentlemen <laughs> definitely check out harbinger down if you go over to two guys talking horror we will have all the links to all the information that you could ever want about Harbinger Down. Uh, all the information that I was able to discover through the internets and the incredible journey that these people went on to crowdfund this movie and get it out to people. So definitely check out all of those links over at twoguystalkinghorror.com. Okay, now this is the special time of the program. Hugely excited about this. And then Dash hopes all over the floor let me explain the wheel the wheel of horror it is <laughs> of horror has arrived here's the problem so i was so excited about this whole concept of having the wheel of horror that i went out to my garage and i got my tools i got this really great set of tools and i started cobbling together this wheel it would make bob barker blush the wheel of horror turn 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 where it stops sorry we get here today to the studio, and I can't get the wheel inside the studio. <laughs> I can't get the wheel inside the studio. The wheel won't fit. The wheel is too big. The studio is... The st I'm not saying the studio is small. The, st the studio is cozy, but it is too small to fit my wheel. So sadly, we've had to downsize the wheel a bit, and it is now turned into... <sighs> it's an app. I've, I've made it. I've, I've I've made it an app. So so the wheel of horror is is an app now. Now let me explain what's on the wheel of horror. There is so much horror going on in television, music, books, comics, everywhere that for us to be able to talk about every single topic would just take forever. And most of our podcasts run long anyway, so I don't want to have to actually sit and face you for a good three hours just to talk about everything I want to talk about. Yeah, I don't like facing you for three minutes, so, you know, that's fine. Look away. <laughs> so, here on the Wheel of Horror, we have four, count them, one, two, three, four, four slots. The first slot, the first part of the pie of this wheel, is tune in or tune out. That's basically our, our television review segment. We'll pick a TV show, and we'll give it a watch, and we'll tell you if you should watch it as well. That's right. We will put ourselves through either really great, enjoyable television or mind-numbing, I can't finish this, please kill me. All for you. All for the fans, because that's what we do. Another little sliver of the pie on the wheel of horror is Bloody Book Report. Yes, that's right. 
there, there are these things that are called books, folks. It's not something that you download on your phone or your tablet or your nook. It's books made from paper. Uh, and if you don't know what the paper is, that's also from trees. We get paper from trees. I love reading actual books. I realize that we're in the digital age. I get it. I'm just not going to conform just yet. I can't. I There's something about holding, the textile feel of holding a book, the smell of a book. I'm not saying all books smell, but books have a smell because they're made of paper and ink and, and time and history. Yes, we'll also be doing bloody book reports where I will sit down, I'll read a book, horror-related, and I'll tell you if you should read it or not. It's really very simple. I mean, this the wheel of horror is not that complicated, folks. Another sliver on the wheel is someone else's nightmare. I, I like giving things clever names. Really, all this sliver represents is me searching the interwebs for somebody else who also appreciates horror the way that we here at Two Guys Talking Horror do. And basically give them a little shout out, a little, a little salute, a little spotlight. Because, you know, it's all about giving. It's all about helping. It's all about the horror. And then the last, the last teeny tiny, I mean, this is the smallest sliver that we've got. Because we don't want this sliver ever to show up. Because then, you know, we're just here forever. Because it's the triple threat. It's where we have to do all three. Oh. All three. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Because there has to be some danger to the wheel of horror. There has to be some danger. So, without further ado, folks, I'm going to... I, I wish I could grab the giant hook and pull down and the wheel would turn and turn and slowly click, click, and, and we would get our answer. But So I'm going to hit this button on this app and the wheel of horror will turn, turn, turn. Ooh. Oh, 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 oh. Look at it. No, look look no. at it spin. Oh. Oh, looks like it's hitting. No, oh. no, no, no. no. And, oh, oh, we're almost. And tune in or tune out. Okay. All right. So we're going to talk about some television here. I got a question for you, Jason. And you're probably going to get this question wrong because you think you know everything. Zombies on television. When do you think that happened? Are you wanting me to get it wrong? Is that a setup? <laughs> you wanting me to play along with us? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Could right. you please? Yes. Sure. Okay. Will. <laughs> <clears throat> I can't give you a year. Walking Dead, though. I can't think of any other uh, zombie show that came before Walking Dead. I know there's a handful now, but. Well, The Walking Dead came out in 2010. Okay. There were zombies on television before The Walking Dead. The heck you say? The heck I do say. I was surprised myself. Uh, I, again, had to do a little bit of research. Thank you, Netflix, again, and, and I, I will point this out. Netflix doesn't pay me to say thank you to them at all, although if they'd like to, I'm totally available. But, again, on Netflix, I noticed uh, anything zombie-related, you know me, Jason. I, I love me some zombies. And Netflix knows I love me some zombies, too, because uh, as I'm sitting down and loading my Netflix, and, hey, you might like this because you like these zombie movies. Well, thanks, Netflix, for trying to run my life. But for once, they got it right. There's a show called Dead Set. It was a, a British show. came out in 2008, but it was just released on Netflix this year. So I had never heard of it. Had no idea that it came out before The Walking Dead. Now, here's the setup. During a fictional series of Big Brother, a zombie outbreak occurs. But the housemates are unaware of the impending doom outside of the Big Brother house. <laughs> okay. All right. Picture Dawn of the Dead, the remake. Okay. Surrounded by a television studio. <laughs> That's what this was. And the great thing about it, five episodes. Oh, wow. It was a mini series. Actually, if you watch everything together... It's less than two and a half hours. I watched it in one sitting. Oh. Because I, I was that captivated. I'm always worried when the Brits try to do zombies because, yes, they did give us Shaun of the Dead, but then they also gave us 28 Days Later. And 28 Days Later, 
uh, I hate having this argument with people. It is not a zombie film. Everybody else wants to say it's a zombie film. It is an outbreak film. Yeah. They are not zombies. They are yeah. not dead. It is not the living dead. So it doesn't count. Right. My problem is, is that it seems like any time, not counting Shaun of the Dead, but it seems like any time that the Brits try to make a zombie movie, Hollywood does this as well. I don't want to be biased to the Brits. I like the Brits. So I'll just lump everybody. It seems like when shit goes to hell in a zombie apocalypse, one thing always happens. The men get uber testosterone and start fighting and raping anything that they see. And I'm really tired of that. It actually, I, I get the human nature thing, and I get that it's supposed to be the, the dark side of the human psyche that if there are no rules and you can't be prosecuted and thrown in jail for doing something bad, that the human psyche, the, the, the human spirit, the human nature, you'll go out and do it because you can get away with it. I get that there's that possibility, but then I also like it when we don't have to do that. We don't have to show people beating each other just because they can. Or uh, men rescuing a woman just so that later on in the scene th they can slap them around and rape them. I, 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 I understand the horror in that, but I don't want to see it every single time. And guess what? You don't get any of that on dead set which I was actually kind of thinking that was going to happen. There were actually some setups where, oh, well, yep, they're going to beat each other up. Well, he's going to kill him just because he doesn't agree with him. Oh, she's going to get raped. Mm. And it didn't happen. Spoiler right. alert for everybody, there's no rape in Dead Set. So if you were looking for the rape, uh, you'll have to look <laughs> for it somewhere else because it's not here. This show surprised me. It really did surprise me because the characters, you don't have a lot of time with the characters. Like I said, we're... we're Two and a half hours, just under two and a half hours. But again, you're develop you, the characters that you want developed get developed, and the characters that don't need to be developed uh, are okay because you know eventually <laughs> they're probably gonna get eaten. The special effects, this is this is up there as well. The special effects, I was I was impressed. You've got some George A. Romero level viscera going on with with the the eating of the flesh and All things right. like that i would say some good skin pulling oh stuff, i'm yeah. we're, we're talking more than just skin pulling and the great thing about it is it is a story it is a set story boom it's not like they set up for season two or anything like that it's a story you start the story with episode one by the end of episode five your story's done boom. all right so it, it literally is like watching a two and a half hour movie okay so i say to everybody tune in to dead set Sadly, ladies and gentlemen, that is our time. We have talked about a lot of things. We've talked about our love of bacon. We've talked about our love of television. We've talked about our loathing of bad storytelling in general. But what it all boils down to, ladies and gentlemen, is we love horror. Good horror, bad horror, funny horror. And we hope you love horror, too. So until next time, I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, one of your hosts. I'm Jason Contini, your co-host. And we will see you next time. Congratulations. You've survived this episode of Two Guys Talking Horror. We hope you were entertained and informed by our program. Take what you have learned and pass it on to your family and friends. It may just save their lives someday. Have questions? Comments? Suggestions for a future episode? Visit our website at twoguystalkinghorror.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side and fill out our short web form. It's the easiest way to interact with the hosts. Beware of monsters, creatures, and all things that go bump in the night. And keep telling yourself, it's only a podcast. It's, it's only, only a podcast. It's only a podcast. It's, it's only, only a podcast. podcast. It's only a podcast. It's, it's only, only a podcast. podcast.
they're right off the bat for this topic. Call to the audience. Audience, should Jason and I give Bates Motel a try? Is there something about it that uh, that just screams you gotta watch it? Uh, should we stay away? Do you think do, do you think it's a boring show? Uh, let us know. We haven't seen it. We will totally take all of your opinions, uh, and and we will digest them, and then we will we will move the bowels. They will move through the bowels, and then we will we will crap your opinions out and decide <laughs> whether or not I, I went on a I was on a poo thing there and I couldn't stop. <laughs> Once you start, you can't stop. So yeah, let us know. Go over yeah, to. You don't want a prairie dog that. Huh? Don't want a prairie dog that at all. No, uh, the mud butt. Anyway. <laughs> Head on over to. Where did, the, where uh, did this show go? Uh, it went. It went, uh, went to the bathroom. Is where it went. <laughs> went to the water closet. Uh, head on over to twoguystalkinghorror.com and fill out the little web form right there on the right hand side and let us know should Jason and I give Bates Motel a try or is it crap? <laughs>